We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The leaves are changing colors. It's getting cold in Syracuse, and that means basketball season is on the horizon. Welcome one, welcome all to Red is the New Orange, a podcast on the field of 68. My name is Ian Unsworth. Johnny Gadamowitz is with me, and we will be your hosts for what should be a new, exciting venture into the new world of Syracuse basketball. Ian, we're really excited. I mean, you think about the narrative waiting all summer, coming off, obviously, what was an interesting year last year, to say the least, for Syracuse men's hoops. Every time, you know, you hit mid to late October and and college basketball season is right around the corner. Whether you're a fan of whatever school, you have plenty of reason to be excited. If you're a Syracuse fan, considering what has transpired for this program over the course of the past couple of months, you have even more of a reason to not just be excited, but to be really curious too and get a first look at at what is really, really a pretty new product, all things considered, with Red Autry taking the helm from Jim Behan. Uh, Johnny, I just got a text from one of my friends saying that Hunter Dickinson still stinks. So <laughs> no college basketball season is is coming around the corner. If you want to keep up with us, keep up with the podcast where our episodes will be live streamed, go to Twitter and type into that search bar F68 underscore Qs. Doesn't matter if it's caps or lowercase, F68 underscore Qs is where to find us. Our personal accounts will be linked there as well. I guess a bit about us, Johnny, we should we shouldn't just go right into it without introducing ourselves. Got to tell the listeners who we are. We that would be rude. Listeners. So yeah. Johnny and I both graduated last May. Uh, we were both at the ACC tournament. We were part of Jim Beheim's last game broadcast on WAER. Um, it was a pleasure to be at Syracuse for those four years and had plenty of great experiences in the student media scene. Um, got to go to a bunch of big games, got to see Syracuse football disappoint us plenty of times, whether it was in Clemson or at Yankee Stadium. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're over football for now. I guess, I guess we're what you call washed up, right? Is that what oh, you can take the boy out of Syracuse, but you can't take the Syracuse out of the boy and uh, repping a little original home of the orange uh, today here for the inaugural pod, but no, Got the, we're uh, excited. final four shirt down here. Okay. That'll play. That'll play. But uh, with how Syracuse football was taking a little bit of a turn for the worst, we won't, we won't touch on that too much. We'll keep it hoop centric. We won't, we won't need to in a, in a couple weeks. Not, not at all. Not at all, but very excited. And with these exhibition games, 
getting underway now. We're getting, we'll call it the appetizer, I would say, Ian, for uh, for what's to come here in a matter of a couple of short weeks. And when you get a good appetizer, that makes you more excited for the meal. I mean, that's what an appetizer is supposed to do. Uh, that's why the bread at Francesca's is the best, because it makes me want more of the sauce. So there you have it. That's what this exhibition did against Damon last Friday. We're going to touch a lot on that. We'll get into a bit of positional breakdown, starting off with some of the guards for today for Syracuse. And then just to end things on a nice positive note, we will talk about the best case scenario for Syracuse basketball in the 2023-24 season. What is a perfect start to the Red Autry era look like? But before that, Johnny, I think we should back ourselves up to, I guess, some of the moments I just mentioned and set the scene for this exhibition game, starting with how Jim Beheim's last year ended. I don't, the vibes were just not good. There were no good vibes uh, between the press conferences and the 30 point losses to Georgia tech. And then the whole, the, the retirement scenario itself made me frustrated. It was weird. It, it was it made me frustrated. Weird. Yeah. And I think frustration is a good word that comes to mind. The way I sort of view it, Ian, and we, we were talking about this a little bit off the air before we hopped on, but, you know, you look up and down that 2022-2023 season for the Orange year ago, and, and there really just weren't a whole lot of notable moments, um, especially ones that fall on the positive end of the spectrum, right? And, and, I mean, you look at the way even the season started, right? Second straight year, you lose to a Central New York foe, if you want to call it that, in Colgate. And that was kind of a little bit of a foreshadower as far as what was to come, right? A defense that was going to struggle, an offense that was going to give you a mixed bag of efforts, depending on who showed up, who didn't show up on a night in, night out basis. And you fast forward that into an intriguing uh, Empire Classic tournament in Brooklyn that sees both games go into overtime. And then from there, you kind of hit the ground running a couple more non-conference bouts before you got into the thick of things with ACC play and an ACC where, where Syracuse really just didn't stack up squeaking by Louisville early on. It, it just felt like every big game, maybe albeit that NC State win for Syracuse. It just didn't show up. And when they went up against squads that that had a number in front of their name or, or were close to that level of a, a type of program, time and time again, you were just you were getting the same result. And sure enough, you fast forward to the ACC tournament and it, it kind of falls flat on its face. And I know some Orange fans may be a little disappointed, a little surprised even as far as getting bounced in the first round of Wake Forest. But Ian, when you reflect back, when you look at the regular season as a whole, I'm not sure that that feeling surprised is anything that should be justified based on what they showed us about who they were during the course of the regular season. Last year, Cuse lost four of its last six games by 15 or more points. Like to Clemson, to Pitt. Uh, it, it was unacceptable to the point of dudes on defense were not, they were checked out. People were, the fans were checked out. I don't blame the fans for being checked out. It's very easy to not be motivated when you know that everyone has your number. That was it. With Colgate, it's like, okay, Langle's got our number. They, that dude can coach. Right. Like he was, he was a finalist for a, a bunch of jobs around the, Langle can coach. But 
Bryant comes in, beats in the building. You didn't mention the punch, Johnny. I was surprised. Yeah, like, I, that's, I did leave that you, out. You're right. <laughs> you can't forget the the Judah, the punch slap, whatever whatever you want to call it. That I mean, I just I just love that for the moment itself. It didn't really have much of a bearing on the season, but it, it was just it it was crazy. And from my vantage point, where I was on one of the baselines, didn't really see it well at first, and then I saw John Bolt tearing around the court. Right. <laughs> so. That sticks with me. Um, the Beheim press conference stuff sticks with you, especially I was at both of those press conferences where those questions were asked. And, you know, as a student reporter, you feel slighted against. But then you read the Pete Thamel stories and you're like, it just makes you shake your head. Right. And then after all that, you lose by a bunch. And the retirement thing eventually got itself sorted out to where Beheim got a bit of his due, and he's not done yet at the university. I'm very interested to see what the ESPN situation looks like for him. How many? I wonder how many series he's going to be on the call for. How many Syracuse games do you give Jim Beheim? Because Syracuse doesn't want to give the the uh, you know the inclination that Beheim is breathing down Autry's neck. Yep. Right. It's not like oh. Coach K's got an office watching John Shire practice. Like none of that, Thanks. none of that stuff want is, is what Syracuse wants to project. So how many games do you give him? And then how much does Beheim really want to get involved in this entire thing? Like it never seemed like he was too friendly with anyone around the media scene, but I'm very interested to see how he breaks down the game. Yeah, and I think the thought surrounding it, and it was sort of the consensus for a while, was that, look, when when Jim wanted to go away and and it was time, Jim was going to go away. Um, So even for me to see that, you know, he was going to be staying on uh, at the university to some extent, and again, to, to what true extent that really ends up being versus more of just a figurehead type type title, if you will, to sort of keep him on board. That remains to be seen. Um, but I, I don't know if you hold similar feelings there, Ian, and that I always, I don't know, for some reason or another, I thought that when it was his time, it was his time. He was going to go hang out wherever he, wherever he hangs out these days and kind of just his, you know, his watch basketball as a fan, and that would be it. But, he'll, go to, he'll go to the skinny Atlas mansion exactly. and hang out. Um <laughs> I, I don't know. These guys don't, they don't want to get away from it. They love the winning. They love the game. It's, it's one of those things that becomes so routine and also so exhilarating that how, how would you it's want to, to give back? up? It's tough to give up. How could totally. you step back? Yeah. But he has stepped back and things have changed. Yep. And watching that exhibition game, you really get a sense of red Autry and what he's looking for in his team. In case you missed it, Syracuse beat Damon 81-68. Orange took the foot off the gas pedal in the second half. It was 49-27 after the first 20 minutes. Honestly, Johnny, I watched the first half kind of in and out for the second half, but I was so concerned that Syracuse was going to go in this game and it would be 38-33. Who was it last year that they almost they played? Well, you took the words right out of my mouth. If you rewind to last year, if you remember, Syracuse was playing Indiana of Pennsylvania, IUPUI, I believe. And no, no, they, no, 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 no. They were trailing at the half. IUPUI was up at the break in an exhibition game. 
I don't. Th- I, don't I thought that was a different. I thought IUPUI was a different one. But unless, I, unless I'm mistaken, and we'll we'll pull up the box score here. No, 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 no. That's it, Indiana but... University, Purdue University, something, something. Oh, okay. IUPUI is a too, too many vowels involved. It was just. It was just up. Indiana of Pennsylvania. Indiana of Pennsylvania, correct. Let's not let's not overcomplicate things. Pretty right. sure IUPUI is a D1 program somewhere. Okay. Indiana University of Pennsylvania was not, but. That stands to reason the game should not be close. 33-32 with the break. The game was clearly close right? for no reason. And why is that? It's because people know how to beat the zone, and the Syracuse offense last year wasn't doing a whole lot. Right. And every like everyone knew, like, we don't need to rehash it anymore. People complained enough on Twitter. People watched the same brand of basketball for the past five years, ever since Tyus Battle left the campus. Like You knew what we were going to get from Syracuse. And this year we got something completely different, it looks like, on our hands. You've got an offense that's quicker and bouncier. The defense is active. They're engaged. Right. And it feels refreshed overall. It's cool to watch the bench. Um, Matt Park on play-by-play pointed it out a couple times. The entire bench is up pointing and shouting and screaming. It's not just Bayheim up and down the sidelines. Like Alan Griffin and Pete Corisanti are all – up and making adjustments and a lot of the time it looked like red was the last guy out of his chair right he's comfortable he seems very comfortable and and while we're on the topic of those involved with the broadcast got to give a shout out to our field of 68 syracuse predecessor and eric devendorf doing some great stuff at the halftime break as far as being a studio analyst on the broadcast but no i mean I, i think you hit the nail on the head and i think refreshed is a is a word that comes to mind um And granted, you take all of this with a grain of salt to begin with because, okay, yes, it's an exhibition game. You throw in another grain of salt, though, because arguably Syracuse's best player in Judah Mintz did not take the court, right? So as far as what the product on the whole looks like, we still won't really know. Um, But at the same time, I mean, look, you rewind last year, and and this was an offense that that was predicated on – Joe Girard, who obviously takes his talents down south to Clemson. And Jesse Edwards is no longer here either. Um, and when those are two of your three kind of focal points in center, who who made his money in the paint, and, and that was it really. And Joe Girard. Yeah, that was it. That, that, that quite literally was it. it. And Girard in, in a guard who I'm not sure flashy is the word that comes to mind, right? More, more of a spot-up shooter operate in the half court, not necessarily looking to get out in the open break a ton. You remove those two guys from the equation. Yes, we hear so much about how much more athletic this team is, right? And and how much more they can get up and down the court. And that's just not from the additions. But I think for me, and it was evident in this exhibition game, it's from the subtractions as well. Joe took himself out of a lot of games last year and not like subbed himself out. He just didn't want the ball. And that really hurts when one of your main guys is, I think back to the Bryant game again, Justin Taylor had 25 points because A, he shot 11 free throws, and B, because Joe was giving him the ball in the final moments. So that says a little something about where Gerard's confidence was. I think at a certain point, he knew he would never reach his ceiling here, and I think everyone else knew it too. So that's why he got out of Dodge and more power to him. I hope he's happy at Clemson. It seems like it, but it, 
it wipes the slate clean, right? The Bayheims are gone. Gerard is gone. And it means that it's really time to see something new and different. And it works really well when you have the athletic guys, the bigger guys, and guys that are faster to play the way Alan Griffin, Adrian Autry, and that coaching staff want to play, which is beating the ball up and down the court. I mean, J.J. Starling, the first time he really had the ball at the top of the key, flashed by Damon's 5'9 point guard. I think he was 5'9", 5'8". 5'9 was probably generous. Let's put it that way. But J.J. Starling beat him by about three steps to the hole. It was like Tyreek Hill, who we just saw earlier today, um, you know, running up and down the field. It was so quick. It was a snap of a finger kind of thing. And so when you have that, as long as you set it up for success, you'll be all right. And the way you set it up is you let it go. You let the horses run. So the offense being quicker, being faster, and having more movement too. Like how about the lack of iso ball you saw? Yep. The first, first play of the game, swinging around the horn. Hey, Naheem McLeod is posting up on the block. All right, we don't like that. Got a guy with a hand in the face. Swing it back across, right? And the ball moved. It moved a lot. And that was something that was so cleansing to see. And not only that, but to see different guys do it as well, right? You talk about six different players check into double figures. Um, Justin Taylor is one of them. He had a team high 12 points, or should say tied for team high with Quidier Copeland, who also notched 12. But at the end of the day, yeah, there are options, right? And obviously not having Judah on the court opened up more of a window for guys to contribute from a scoring standpoint. But yeah, and I think I think there's a little bit more intent um, I think there's a little bit more of a game plan, right? It's no secret that, you know, you rewind to last year. It was a lot of ISO ball. It was a lot of, hey, go get me a bucket, right? You rewind to years past and the Buddy Bayheim led teams that that took Central New York by storm. It was definitely a different offensive philosophy. Um, but, you know, we'll switch gears a little bit here. It's not just the offense that I think is going to take on a little bit of a different philosophy. And obviously the question that everyone's been asking um, all summer, as far as Syracuse is concerned, is, okay, is Adrian Autry really going to abandon the zone? Um, and, and we sort of got our first tease to that in, in the exhibition against Damon earlier in the week. Um, and, and, yeah, it's no secret. Look, th- this team more athletic, um, probably more geared to have success when resorting to man-to-man. And, and that man-to-man looked pretty good um, as far as the exhibition was concerned. Certainly not perfect. Damon shot 42% from the field on the night. Um, but I just wonder, Ian, and, and this is obviously a conversation that, that we can sort of track and monitor as the year progresses here. You know, you got to consider uh, so many returners on this roster, right? Don't get me wrong. Some new faces for sure. They know that zone, right? It, it was instilled in them for better or worse. So I'm curious if that defense, which again is, is going to take some time. I think it's no secret. If those first couple games, things don't go all too swimmingly, um, you know, how much or, or how quickly, if at all, we could see Autry resorting perhaps to the old Syracuse ways a little bit. And again, we're not we're not going to know that answer now, um, but just for food for thought coming up this coming off this Damon exhibition where the defense looked OK, but but, you know, far from perfect, far from perfect. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Last year we were promised man-to-man. We barely got it at all. And it doesn't serve this team to go back to the zone. If you want to play faster, if you want to be a more aggressive, pacier team, you have to get rebounds. That's what the, the whole offense is based on rebounding and pushing. Right. I, I, Justin Taylor got open threes off of that, right? Hustling the ball down the court, the court and getting a couple mismatches. You can run. They ran a spread pick and roll for an alley-oop snap of the finger because J.J. Starling and Naheem McLeod, who runs the floor really well. For a man of his size? Yeah, busted it down the floor. They ran the pick and roll. Damon couldn't recover. So man-to-man really fits what the team philosophy is geared towards. Uh, The zone, again, it's like everyone, if you play middle school basketball, you know, you get the ball to the middle. And it, it doesn't take rocket science. Right. And again, and McLeod... Running sprints, he can move, but in short areas, obviously, it's a lot of limb to be moving at seven four seven five. So, it uh, I think if someone throws the ball to, to that free throw line area, just like you saw last year, turnaround jumpers, easy money. The man will struggle because there's a lot of different things you have to do. Whether it's switching ball screens, you have to change, and a lot of these guys will slowly but surely figure it out but there's a lot of communication pieces that just aren't there with the zone and we have to accept the fact that it it will struggle at first the man-to-man it's not going to be easy to play tennessee man-to-man why tennessee is probably a bit older and they're probably a bit more physical purdue or gonzaga man-to-man well we got someone that can match up with seven foot bajillion zach Eady, right but like gonzaga might shoot over him okay but if Syracuse stays quick and hustles up and down the floor on misses, then you can stay in a game with a shaky man-to-man defense. Right. And I think that's been the formula for, for success for a lot of these ACC teams over the years, too, right? Everybody's getting more athletic. Everybody's trying to get it out in the open break. And that was a department where Syracuse was falling short for a while. 
Um, and hopefully, you know, in something that Orange fans have, have kind of been clamoring for for years now, they'll get a little bit of it, if not a lot of it, here in 2023 and 2024. The question becomes just how effective is it early? And, and Ian, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of the fact that, look, there's going to be some tough non-conference opponents. You're going to have to commit to the idea that, okay, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows right from the jump, right? You're going to have to go through it a little bit and and stick to the formula and stick to the system and hope that there are greener pastures ahead. And, of course, we say all this without a regular season game having taken place, so take from that what you will. Um, but but certainly something that is going to be uh, very interesting to monitor here as, as we get underway here in the early stages. I think we have to keep in mind that Syracuse will be out physical at times. Yes. Besides maybe McLeod, the Syracuse might get bumped around a little bit, they, especially if they're trying to run and dudes are getting tired and they've got a lot of depth. We don't know how solid the depth is yet, but they've got a lot of it. But they might be out physical depending on who they play against. Right. And in years past, the Orange have slowed down when other teams want to slow them down. They have to stay committed to staying fast. Even if they're getting bumped around, even if they have to play 25, 30, you know, the, you know offensive rebound, you got to play 50 seconds of defense. You have to be committed to staying fast and pushing the ball and getting baskets because it's either that or you got to score against Virginia's half court defense. What do you, you prefer? <laughs> what do you prefer? Right. And I think that the area where that depth might be on full display the most is is in the backcourt. Um, you know, when you look at kind of this guard makeup of the team um, and, and we can sort of get into it here as far as some of our overview, as far as that position group is concerned. I think it's no secret that, that this team is going to go as far as Judah Mintz and J.J. Starling take them. Um, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find as dynamic as a one two punch in the backcourt. Um, in the ACC and I know it's new and, and I know you know they don't necessarily check all the boxes as far as the experience goes um, but but that is a scary explosive one-two punch right there and we don't need to rehash how much of a miss J.J. Starling was for Syracuse in recruiting initially um, you just have to let the past be the past and make the most out of whatever this guy can give you moving forward going beyond that um, I don't think it's too far-fetched to say that this could be a big year for Justin Taylor, Ian. Um, you know, I, I sort of revert back to last year and think about some of the hopes and expectations that existed for Benny Williams, obviously a different player who was asked to do different things and fill a different role. Um, and, you know, Benny's sort of ups and downs were were obviously documented over the course of last year. I don't think it's too far-fetched to say that Taylor might give you that breakout sophomore year that Benny didn't last year. Um, he showed flashes. He didn't do it consistently. But I think this is someone who, in the right fit, in the right system, can really excel. Now, does he get that window with Mintz and Starling? I'm not so sure. There are obviously minute uh, distribution situations that would need to be figured out in that case. But I think there's a role for Justin Taylor on this team, and I think there's an opportunity for, for perhaps a really big role as well. You need to spell Mintz and Starling together with shooting. Because Mintz, we saw the three-point shot improve a little bit more as the season went on. Beheim was very non-committal about whether he was asking Judah to take threes or 
whether he thought Judah's three-point shot was a good shot in his opinion. And you know, Beheim would give you his opinion about whether he thought players were taking oh, yeah. good shots. So Judah can get there. Not sure about stalling because he shot under 30% last year in Notre Dame and 42% from the field. 42% is a pretty good, you know, average number for a guard. But 30% from the three is not going to do it, especially when you play a Virginia that'll pack you in, force you to take threes. Right. And think about it. When you're not playing fast, you get lazy, you get tired. If the three is there, people will take it. But again, it goes back to the mentality of playing fast, playing aggressive, and getting the best shot. So Justin Taylor and Chris Bell, in a sense, will both be key. Um, Bell, I guess, has a bit showed a bit more versatility last year with kind of getting off the bounce. Taylor, they tried to let Taylor open it up in the mid-range last year, and he, he never really did much. Right. So I think that's the next step for him is developing the mid-range game. He looked much more confident ripping threes against David, and that was good to see. He shot them over people and made them. Right. That, that is what you need. And we knew we could do that when he came to Syracuse. That's not a question. The confidence is great. But everything else has to develop. You need to be a bit more than just a catch-and-shoot three-point guy because that's what both Taylor and Bell were last year, and Syracuse didn't get as much as they could have out of them because of it. Um, the last thing I want to say about JT uh, before we kind of talk about some of the other guys that figure to be more depth pieces uh, is the the mental side of things, I think, matters a lot. You talk about the Benny situation, right? What what was the what was the talk about Benny Williams halfway through the season? He's gone, right? right. He, you know, he should transfer. He can right. get a better opportunity elsewhere. The personal day thing. Remember the whole personal day? Yep. That was a wild scenario. It's I don't think I've ever seen that happen before right. in my years of watching college basketball. But you, we know that like Benny's someone that needs to feel confident and needs to have people support him to really do well. And JT did not get a lot of love from Beheim last year. He, he was not getting a lot of minutes consistently, but he pushed through. Like you never, he never, he never complained. He never looked down. Like he didn't hang his head. And I think that really matters in, in people talk about the sophomore slump. Slumps are a mental thing. Right, we're baseball right. guys. We we've been around that. So as long as JT stays right mentally, I, I think he'll be in a good spot. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. And, and I, I want to circle back briefly to something that you were touching on earlier here where, you know, I, I think there's a role for him on this team. I, I mentioned that I think this could be a breakout season. I think even if he doesn't necessarily take the next step, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is, he doesn't have to do anything crazy that he wasn't already doing last year. Like, I think there is an avenue for him to be that 3 and D guy and, and not necessarily do a whole lot else and still be in a prime spot to go out there and have a big year because of how this team is constructed, because of the other guys are there that can pick up the load from a scoring standpoint. I'm not saying he needs to check more boxes than he did last year. I'm saying the role that he was brought in to fill this year, I think he has an opportunity to tear his game better to that role based on the pieces that are around him. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I agree. And I, the way I was talking about his development was more, hey, he's he's your shooting guard with Mintz or right. he's your shooting guard with Starling. If all three of those guys are on the floor together, and again, same goes for Bill. I think those two players are very similar right. in usage and in styles. If those guys take the step forward with Judah and with J.J., they're going to be really tough to stop and off. Scary, yeah, at that point, you're playing with house money. If if everybody takes those next steps like you're hoping. All right, Johnny. I think we've got a pretty good handle on those three. Yep. On the, on the depth side of things, yeah. what about Kyle Cuff? What about Quadir Copeland? How, how do these guys fit in? Because they're not a lot of minutes to be had. Right. Quadir, obviously shined a couple times but there was never like a box score breaker or there was never a game where he really wowed you and Beheim was quick to hook him and Cuff has no history in college after his injury last year at Kansas so what do you make of it well I mean you look at the numbers as far as the Damon game was concerned and again no Judah Mintz but between Copeland and Cuff in the exhibition contest those two playing a combined 54 minutes Now, that is not to say that that is what we're going to expect consistently, but it shows you that, you know what, at least there's a level of investment there, particularly with Copeland, who played north of 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I mean, he showed flashes at times last year, and he he doesn't have to be Superman. Um, He needs to be the guy that, you know, can come in off the bench, a la Saimir Torrance, and do a good enough job to, to... to run the floor and and keep the team in, in a ball game. Um, you're not asking him to, you know, explode offensively or to put the clamps down defensively every sequence in, sequence out. But what you are asking him to do is give you serviceable minutes. And again, with the construction of this backcourt and the way it's made right now, you don't need a ton offensively. You really don't. I, I think on the topic of Copeland, and I guess you could kind of loop Kyle Cuff into this conversation as well. Um, you need just steady presences. Obviously, with Cuff, that's a little bit of a bigger ask because the experience is not there. But with Quadir in particular, I, I think kind of filling out that role that, to be quite frank, was pretty similar to the role he saw last year. Um, obviously, the minutes w- would likely increase to an extent. But it doesn't need to be anything too ridiculous. You don't need these guys to be sixth men of the year type guys in order to have a successful season. Copeland last year got so much uh, praise for his practice play and his passing. Mainly they called him a wizard with the ball. He had nine assists. Check that box. 
Cuff is known for his defensive presence. He got his first shift in, he got two steals. Right. Like, and he almost yammed on someone. Instead, there was a wedgie situation. Um, early, early one for for our taste, but <laughs> it's the 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 juice and the bounce is still there. Like, it's he didn't lose a step after that season-ending leg injury. He still he still got plenty of juice in his game, and I think that's the most important thing to see. Last thing, Johnny, before we get out of here. Yep. Best case scenario for Syracuse men's basketball. We're not going to go up and down the schedule and predict every game, right? There's no use in doing that, and we know how that goes. Uh, we're going to sound like fools after we've, Syracuse. We've done our fair share of that over the years. and Syracuse will lose to Cornell. We'll sound like fools, and then we'll parade around once they beat Oregon oh, two weeks later. <laughs> um, but as a best-case scenario for Red Autry and Syracuse men's basketball, what does the season look like? Yeah, I mean, I've I've always sort of held the philosophy in that that if you if you can get to twenty wins, you're doing something right. Um, and, and there's not a lot of easy chances for wins. There's not. There's certainly not. And, and and coming into a year where you do have so many unknowns, you don't want to set those expectations super high because you do have to prepare for some of those growing pains. I would say best case scenario for this team is I think the first month or two is really going to be big because if you can establish that identity, if you can grab some key non-conference wins and roll into ACC play with a lot of those question marks, maybe not fully figured out, but at least you have a pretty good idea of where you stand and know and know that, hey, we can go up against some of the big boys. And even if we're not getting wins, we feel good about where we're at considering how new we are. Um, I think that's best case. And I know that doesn't necessarily answer your question as far as X number of wins, make it to the tournament, make it to X round. No, we don't, we don't need to do the record prediction. We thing. don't need to go nuts. I, I'm keying in on, I'm keying in on Maui. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at some of these early games against squads that you're not really going to see again, but give you an opportunity to kind of find your footing Make sure that by the time you're seeing the Virginias and the Carolinas and the Dukes of the world, you know, you, you sort of know what you stand and you have an ability to sort of play to your strengths and put yourself in a position to go win those conference games. I'm actually of the complete opposite mindset. Okay. I'm of the complete opposite. I, I think Mao is a wash. Okay. With new style, with new defense, players that haven't played together before, I think it's a wash. Whatever. It doesn't matter what happens. You finish fifth, uh, sixth, whatever. Cool. Right. Got to beat Georgetown. Um, Ed, you know, Ed Cooley is now at Georgetown. Their roster is completely revamped. Right. That, that's this is going to be a statement game for one of those programs. For me, it, you have to beat Georgetown. Nice to beat Oregon. Uh, my best friend went there from back home. But, you know, whatever. That's just that's me personally. I think you got to beat a couple teams in the ACC this year and prove that it's not just the North Carolina States and the Boston colleges and, you know, the Georgia techs of the world, you, you got to beat someone, right? You have to beat UNC at the dome. You have to beat Virginia. Just give me one. Give me, give me a couple games, you know, maybe take down Miami at home because we know Miami is a guard centric team that can get hot and cold, right? Syracuse will be the same way. Win one big game. And that's what they were last year. 
especially in one big win from last year. I don't think you really can. Late January, mid-February, right? It's cold. It's miserable. Right. Win me one or two big games that shows that, A, the team is making progress, right? You get bounced in Maui, whatever. The team has to make progress. And also build some hype for tournament time, even if it's just the ACC tournament, right? Even if the team is barely above 500, build me some hype for March so that when the tournament comes around, who knows who gets hot, right? Who knows what happens defensively? Who knows who they match up with? Win me one or two big games, and then we'll All see. Right, well, I'll say this before we sign off and say sayonara until next time. If that's your best case scenario, one or two big wins, I'm curious to hear your worst case scenario next. Well, week. we'll we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there sooner rather than later. The next episode coming out Friday morning. Um, we'll be releasing these suckers every Monday, reacting to whatever the weekend brings us, and then. Thursday, Friday, we'll be hoping to preview Syracuse's upcoming weekend matchup. And, you know, once we get into conference play, they'll have midweek games. We'll react to those as well. So we'll bring it to you twice a week. You can find it on YouTube, Field of 68 and Cuse. You can find it on Twitter, F68 underscore Cuse is our username. Johnny Gadamwitz, Ian Unsworth, signing off. Go Orange and have a great rest of your week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.